Well, for those of you that are visiting or new, my name is Jonathan Romig. I am the pastor here, uh, and I'm excited to lead you through this passage today. It has a lot to teach us. Uh, if you are someone who uh, worries or struggles with anxiety, I do hope that today's message will help you, that you'll find it to be a, a useful tool, uh, that God will speak to you through it, but we're probably not going to solve your anxiety problem in one message, as much as I'd like to think that I'm that good of a preacher. Uh, so I just want to offer, if you need to come talk to me after the service, please do. Uh, I can provide further resources, whether that's something you can read and study on your own, or maybe a, a counselor that you can go and speak to, or you can come and speak to me in office hours. Uh, so I want to put that out there, no pressure either way. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll begin. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to not only um, learn about how to handle anxiety and fear and stress, um, but how to give it to you, uh, how to trust you with every aspect of our lives. I pray that you would speak uh, through my lips tonight. Uh, would uh, the meditation of my heart and the words I say be pleasing in your sight? Uh, and would you speak to our hearts? Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, when Monica and I were getting married, uh, we went through what's called premarital counseling. Uh, so premarital counseling involves, you know, seven or eight weeks of meeting uh, together uh, with your pastor and talking through various topics, uh, various, you know, we did a family tree, we talked about uh, just different things that we wanted to, uh, that would be helpful in our upcoming marriage. And one of those things that we did uh, was the pastor asked us to each pick out a Bible verse for the other individual. Something that like, like here's a kind of a message of God's truth for you, a verse that I think you need to learn uh, that would be good for your soul. Uh, and so uh, we each shared a Bible verse with each other. And I shared a passage with Monica about like loving God more and how that's such a wonderful thing and that just keep growing in her love for God. And she shared with me this passage. Do not be, worry about your life. Don't be anxious. She also shared uh, a second passage with me. Uh, she cheated a little bit, but the following passage is not judging others. She also shared that one with me. See, Monica knows that I have a problem with stress. I have a problem with anxiety, and then taking that out, anxiety out on her and judging her more than I would judge others. And so as I come to today's passage, I don't come as someone who's figured this all out. Like I struggle with anxiety every single week, even today, and stress. So I'm here to just learn with you. Uh, hopefully you'll learn something that you can take home as well. But we can really kind of go through this together as fellow pilgrims, fellow followers of Jesus. So I hope you'll join me in this as we turn our hearts uh, to what Jesus has to say. And Jesus does command us in this passage. He says, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about tomorrow. Another way of saying this is don't be anxious. So what is anxiety? What is nervousness, what is this kind of um, worry? It's, it's like this stress that builds up in your system. It's, it's what we uh, experience uh, as we think about the future and how uncertain it is. What we got going on back there? Um, 
It's when you think about the future and you think of all the different contingencies and all the different possibilities and you don't know which one's going to happen to you. And for some reason, we tend to fill the blank spot. We, we tend to fill the gap uh, with like the worst case scenario, the worst possible uh, outcome. So really, worry is not so much uh, a thing. It's kind of a feeling. It's like the the tenseness we feel in our shoulders, it's the ache we feel in our stomach, it's the crawling of our skin, it's the lightness in our head, uh, it's the fog in our mind, it's crippling. It has a way of taking over us. And so, how can we deal with this? Now, anxiety and worry in itself is not necessarily a bad thing when it comes to the, the idea of fight or flight. So when you get into a bad situation, the natural response is either to run away or to kind of deal with it. I think there is something to that, that it's, it's natural to who we are as human beings. But we have a tendency to, uh, to take that sort of response and apply it to the rest of our lives and kind of continue to function in that mode because it helps us perform. And that's not really a healthy thing. But not only is it not healthy, it's also a sin. See, Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't live a a worrisome lifestyle. This is a hard commandment. We all want to obey Jesus. We want to honor God. We don't want to sin, but it's not easy. We don't know how naturally. But the good news is, is that Jesus cares about our anxiety. He cares about our stress. He cares about our worry. And he actually has a plan for dealing with it, and it's not very complicated. See, Jesus tells us to let it go. Jesus tells us to let it go. We're looking at the first couple of verses, and I'm going to work through them one at a time. But verse 25 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus tells us to not worry or stress, to not be afraid, to let it go. Now, before he says this, he starts the word with a passage. The very first word is therefore. Whenever you see these kind of connecting words that like so however or therefore or uh, so that or such as, uh, you always ask, well, what is the therefore therefore? So why, why is it there? And if you may remember, last week we talked about the passage right before this, the treasures in heaven passage. We called the, the message heavenly banking. And we talked about how uh, one of the areas in our life that is so important to us is our money. And yet God calls us to be willing to give a portion of our money, our tithes and our offerings to him as a way of saying, God, I trust you instead of putting my hope in myself. And I think Jesus is connecting money and anxiety because he's saying the more we cling to anxiety, uh, to, to money, to, to the treasures in this life, the more worry we're going to have. See, the two are connected. But then Jesus breaks it down even further. He talks about food. He talks about clothing, those other like everyday necessities. He's saying, well, do you trust me with those as well? See, when many of us put our faith in Jesus Christ, When we kind of say that first prayer of repentance and believing in him, we say, God, I trust you with my eternity. I trust you with forever. 
But then we have a harder time saying, God, I trust you with today. I trust you with right now. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. He's saying, do you trust me with today? Not just the future, not just uh, a long time from now. Do you trust me with your money, with your food, with your clothing in this moment? Now, some of you may remember the quiet indie hit, the, the movie Frozen. Uh, it's based on uh, the story of uh, the Snow Queen. So Disney produced this movie. It really wasn't a quiet indie hit. Uh, and it's about two sisters finding themselves. Now, the older sister is named Elsa. She has long, blondes, long blonde hair. Uh, she has cryokinetic powers. In other words, she can uh, manipulate frost and ice and snow with just her mind. It's pretty cool. Uh, and all little girls like want to be her. But in the story, she accidentally unleashes some of that power around her sister, and her sister ends up getting hurt, and then her parents lock her away uh, in her room for years and years. It's a Disney story, so uh, <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, and then finally, her uh, she becomes queen, and at her coronation, uh, she comes out and she accidentally unleashes her powers again. And then everyone sees that, well, she's kind of this magical person. And then she, she goes and she flees, and then she sings the song, Let It Go. And maybe some of you have heard this song. It was super popular. Uh, but here are some of the lyrics. If you didn't, I'm not going to sing them for you. I'm going to spare you, but I'm going to go ahead and read them. You can sing along in your mind. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. This song won an Academy Award. It won a Grammy Award, and the movie itself made $1.276 billion. It did really well. Maybe some of you are parents, and you know how well it did, and you're tired of hearing the song. Well, one of the reasons I think it did so well is because of Elsa's words, because of this song she sang that resonated with our hearts, that we all have something that we need to let go our fears, our anxieties, our stresses, our, the, the pressures others have put on us. But long before Disney and Elsa preached this message, Jesus preached this truth. See, this, this truth originates with Jesus. He's the one who said, let it go. Do not worry. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. In our passage today, Jesus actually explains kind of three different anxieties that we need to let go, three different types. And we're going to work through those, uh, but hopefully uh, you'll understand them, and then we're going to circle back around and talk about well, what's the solution to each of these anxieties. The first one is we let personal anxieties go. Verse 26 says this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So first we let personal anxieties go. Jesus tells us, he begins this passage by saying, if I can take care of the birds, I can take care of you because you are more valuable than birds. 
It's a, it's, it's a simple statement, but it's actually a, a, a deep statement. See, Jesus is saying that humans, that people, are of a different quality or a different value level than animals. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to protect animals or care for creation. We should do all of those things. But when it comes right down to it, people are of more value than pet animals. And we see this actually in the very first passage of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says this as he's creating people. It says, then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. See, God has made not cats and dogs, not fish in his image. He's made people in his image. Everyone sitting in this room is made in the image of God. And one of the ways that we're kind of made in God's image is that just like God created uh, the universe and then rules over his creation, God gave us the right to rule over this creation and to do so faithfully but in a much lesser way than God. And so kind of the core question I think produces personal anxiety in our lives is this. Am I valuable? I think that's really where some of, much of our, our fears and anxieties stem from. The question, am I valuable? And God says, yes, you are incredibly valuable. I made you in my image. You matter to me. And so now when we think about some of the uh, anxieties that Jesus lists in this passage, if we eat or if we drink, we can know that God cares about if we eat. God cares about if we drink, if we have enough to sleep on, to, to, to live a healthy life. God cares about these things. This doesn't mean that he'll give us all of our wishes, all of our desires. But there is an earthly benefit to believing in God, that God says, I will, I will watch out for your needs on this earth. This is different than what we call the prosperity gospel, that God will give you whatever you want. It's different than that. Jesus is saying, well, God will watch over you. He will take care of you. Birds, birds are unemployed. They're homeless. Many of them are artists. <laughs> but God takes care of them. So don't, don't find your value in kind of what you're doing in this life. Don't say, well, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing okay as a person, then I don't need to be afraid. No, you don't need to be afraid because God loves you. So we let personal anxieties go. This is kind of the first category. And second, we let future anxieties go. Uh, verse 27 says this, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So we let kind of uncertainties go. Now, if you're worried about how long you'll live or, or what's going to happen in the future, chances are that, is that that will not help you live longer. In fact, if you were to do some research, there are many studies that say the more you stress, the more you have fear, the more anxious you are, uh, the worse your health is going to be. Heart.org says this, when stress is excessive, it can contribute to everything from high blood pressure also called hypertension, to asthma, to ulcers. 
And when we get stressed and get anxious, we tend to eat more, we tend to uh, drink more, we tend to lay around and sleep more, not get any exercise, and this can lead to uh, an unhealthy life. Uh, but this passage, it talks about not only uh, kind of living longer, kind of controlling your future, but it also uh, says this. If you were to read the NKJV, a different way of translating uh, the word uh, hour to your life, adding a single hour, is cubit. And so it also talks about can you add like any height to your stature. Uh, the NKJV says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So who of you can make yourselves grow taller just by wanting to be taller? Well, none of us can. Another way of saying this is, am I strong enough to control my future? Am I big enough to get done what I want done? And Jesus is saying it doesn't matter how much you think you can control things, how powerful you think you are, you're not powerful enough. We ask ourselves, will I be strong enough to get the education I want? to get the family I want, to get the career I want, to have everything I want. Will I be strong enough? Will I have enough control? And Jesus is saying, no, you you can't control your future. You can't control your height. You can't control how big you are. Jesus doesn't tell us what will happen tomorrow, but he does say that he is big enough. He is strong enough to deal with with our future. Uh, as we think about the future, uh, there's an acronym that I think is helpful. I'm not going to focus on it too long, but I think it's helpful, helpful for us to, to think about. It's fear, the word fear. You can break that down into false expectations appearing real. Uh, that has helped me through the years as I, as I think about the future and I get all anxious. I remember, well, the, uh, these, are, these are imaginations, things that I am coming up with in my mind to convince myself that something bad is going to happen. And often, 99% of the time, it's just false expectations that are appealing, appearing real in my own life. Christ calls us to stop believing in those false expectations, to start believing in him. So first, we let personal anxieties go. Second, we let future anxieties go. And third, we let relational anxieties go. Now, I'm going to read verses 28 and 30 through 30. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? As we think about Jesus, he's teaching this, he's, he's giving this message about not worrying on a mountain. This, this is the Sermon on the Mount. It's near Galilee somewhere. And uh, this point was made to me this week that uh, as he was teaching, he was probably pointing at the birds of the air. He was probably uh, pointing at the flowers, and he was saying, you know, look at how much, uh, look at these, I'm taking care of them. God takes care of them. How how much more is he going to take care of you? And I actually wanted to show you, not a a bird, but one of the flowers that is in the region uh, that Jesus might have pointed at. Uh, This type of flower is called an anemone. And they are wildflowers that grow in Jewish Palestine, uh, near Megiddo, Israel. So this could have been in the region. Uh, And notice the different colors. They're they're beautiful, but they're simple. We have uh, red, 
white, purple. Uh, and if Jesus was pointing at these and then talking about Solomon, there's another connection that the people may have made in their mind. So King Solomon is the most famous, probably well, second famous, uh, most famous of Israel's kings. He was the son of King David. Uh, he was incredibly wealthy. He built the temple. He uh, was considered to be very wise, and he was a king. He was royalty. And one of the colors that royalty would wear is purple. And so Jesus uh, perhaps is saying here, you know, I treat these flowers royally. I take care of their everyday needs, their, uh, their, their clothing, what they look like. I'm going to take care of you. And something interesting about clothing and colors as we're kind of contrasting these uh, in ancient Palestine is that, uh, you know, the finer clothing you had, the more colorful clothing you had, like the tighter the weave, uh, the, the more uh, kind of international the garments, the wealthier you appeared. So it's just like today. So if you, uh, if you, you know, have a, a regular suit versus like a fitted suit or how many pairs of shoes you have, uh, it says something about you. And in the same way, in the ancient days, uh, it was a status symbol, Saying, you know, I am better than you, or I have more power than you, or I'm wealthier than you. And so, at its heart, I think as Jesus brings up the issues of clothing, he's bringing up a relational issue. How we relate to others. See, Jesus is saying, do you, do you care more about me taking care of your needs, or do you care more about what others think of you? How you relate to them. Clothes are a necessity, but they can also become a pride issue so that we control our outward appearance. Jesus doesn't care about that as much as he cares about our hearts, what's going on inside of us. And he says, you know, oh, you of little faith. We have little faith if we put our trust in the opinions of little people instead of a mighty and gracious God. We want to trust in the God who is big, not in the opinions of others. We want others to think well of us, but what matters is if God thinks well of us. And God does think well of us. He says, you're more important than a little flower that's gorgeous. You're gorgeous too. So first, we let personal anxieties go. Second, we let future anxieties go. Third, we let relational anxieties go. But honestly, it's not just enough to let our problems go. There has to be a solution because as we let our issues go, uh, we sometimes fill them uh, with other things. We fill them with a new anxiety or a new fear. And so the question is, what should we do? Well, we should let it go so that we can cling to Christ. So we want to fill that emptiness, that gap, that anxiety with something new with someone who has the power to bring healing and hope. We want to fill it with Jesus Christ. Let it go so you can cling to Christ. See, the world, it does substitute something for anxiety. It substitutes emptiness. It substitutes emptiness or anxiety with emptiness. Verses 31 through 32 say this. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. 
The world culture solution is to either consume more or to empty itself of everything. Neither of these are right. We don't want to give in to the call of materialism where it's kind of you just go from one new thing, one new toy to the next toy, believing that whatever I pour myself into will make me happy. We don't want to believe that lie, but we also don't want to believe the opposite lie. That if we can just clear our minds of all of our troubles, of all of our problems, we will be better people. We don't want that as well. There's a balance that, that Christ uh, uh, creates. That he, he not only wants us to let go of our anxieties, but then to fill our anxieties with a new trust of God. To, to fill that empty gap with a new hope, a new hope in Jesus See, the world substitutes anxiety with emptiness, but we substitute worry with courage. We substitute worry with with courage and with faith in Jesus Christ. See, we let it go so that we can cling to Jesus. How do we cling to Jesus? How do we have courage? How do we have confidence? How do we know peace? How do we know joy? Well, so we talked about three different anxieties personal, uh, future, and relational. And there are three different solutions to each one of those in our passage here today. A, we let relational anxieties go by building a relationship with God. Verse 32 uh, finishes by saying this, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, Jesus is saying, don't act like the people that their only hope is in this world and in its things or by escaping through some sort of meditation. God is saying, focus on me. Fill, fill your anxiety with a new relationship with God, with your Father. All throughout the Sermon of the, on the Mount, we've been seeing the phrase, your heavenly Father. So we saw it last week. We saw it in the Lord's Prayer. See, Jesus desperately wants us to relate to God as our Father, as as someone who loves us and who cares for us in a uh, personal and relational way. Because he's saying that is the solution to to relationships that cause us stress, when we're afraid of, of people on the outside and their opinion of us, we need to remember the opinion of the Father, who loves us so much he sent his son to die for us, who through that deed has adopted us as his children. We belong to our heavenly father, the one who rules the universe. So as you encounter stresses and anxieties and false expectations in this life, remember your heavenly relationship. Remember the father that you have that cares so much for you. When you're hurt by your family, by siblings, by parents, by loved ones, let it go and cling to your heavenly Father who loves you. When you're bothered by coworkers, uh, when you're bothered by you know, the things that you have to do during the week, let it go and cling to your Father in heaven who understands when you're frustrated by life circumstances, when you're unhealthy, when you're sick, let it go and cling to your all-powerful daddy, the one who rules the universe and who cares for you. See, we let relational anxieties go by building a relationship with God. I want to encourage you that if you don't have a relationship with the Father, 
with the Heavenly Father. You're going to go through life's anxieties. You're going to go through life's struggles. And you're going to have people to turn to. But are those people going to be big enough? See, the Father is big enough to deal with any single issue that you have. B, we let future anxieties go by recognizing our own limitations. Now, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I'm going to verse 34 because I feel like verse 33 is really kind of the heart of the passage. So I'm skipping ahead to 34, but we'll come back. Uh, And verse 34 says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Boy, this one is true. It sounds a lot like a proverb. Um, Maybe some of you have read the book of Proverbs. It's called kind of the wisdom book. It's full of wise sayings, and this is almost like a New Testament proverb. See, Jesus is saying, Uh, You are finite creatures. We are created uh, within time. We do not live outside of time, no matter how often we think we do. Uh, And he's saying, you can only exist one day at a time. Why worry about the future? Recognize your own limitations. You live in today. And although I skipped verse 34, we're going to go back to verse 34, but it talks about uh, a kingdom. and It talks about righteousness. And it's important to note that uh, as we kind of give up controlling the future, we can really only do that as we have a deep understanding of the one who controls the future. So we believe in a king who created the future, who created the past, he created the present, and he created the future. And so if you're anxious and filled with worry and fear about the future, well, remember, God created the future. The Father has it completely under control. And we believe in a God who is good, who loves us, and who cares for us. So why are we worrying about that future? It's a good future. Uh, Romans 8 says that God works all things together for good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. See, if you love God, you can have confidence that your future, although it might not look perfect here, you might not drive the car you want, you might not live in the home you want, you can be confident That if you love Jesus, God is going to take care of your future. It's going to be a good future. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't have that confidence. You don't know if your future will be good. And in fact, if you don't believe in Christ, it says that the future, the ultimate destiny, will be bad. And so I encourage you not only to turn to Christ for your eternal future, but turn to Christ for your future in this life so that you can know that Christ is taking care of you every single day. See, the world says, don't worry about tomorrow because it's not healthy. But Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because I have tomorrow under control. I can take care of it all. So A, we let relational anxieties go by building a relationship with God. B, we let future anxieties go by recognizing our own limitations. And C, we let personal anxieties go by finding our all in Christ. We find our all in Jesus. Verse 33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, this right here is really the heart of the passage, the heart of of the solution to our anxieties. 
We are to find our all in Jesus. We really do that two ways. First, we find our purpose for life. It says, seek first his mission, his, his kingdom. This is, this is saying, uh, set Jesus' purpose, his mission for this world as your mission for this world, for this life. We seek his kingdom by obeying Jesus' commands as his loyal subjects. Are you living a life that seeks to honor and obey Jesus? We actually will find peace as we do that, as we seek to obey him. And we seek his righteousness by receiving his right standing before God as a gift every day. So that's kind of a complicated thing to say, but righteousness means right standing before God. The only way we can experience right standing before God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. As we put our hope in him, as we put our trust in him, he grants us that right relationship with God. And so Jesus is saying, remember that every morning. Preach yourself the gospel. Preach the good news that you are justified not by your own kind of existence, not by what you do with your life, but you're justified by Jesus and what he did with his life. And that's how we can ultimately know peace at a very personal and deep level because of what Jesus has done for us. And Jesus calls us to focus then all of our passion, all of our desire, all of our pursuit on seeking him and obeying him. And following Christ. And sometimes that's a scary thought because we think of all the good things we do with our life that we we want to continue to do. And some of those aren't bad. Many of those aren't bad. God created everything and everything was good. But there are things that we do in our life that we don't want to give up because we think it will bring us happiness. But that's a lie we believe. You know, when I was single, I was pretty happy. I, I was living a life that focused on me and my needs and kind of doing my own thing. But when I got married, I discovered a deeper joy, a deeper happiness, loving Monica, trying to meet her needs, trying to love her the best I could every single day, the best I can. See, we forget our personal anxieties, our personal troubles as we turn away from ourselves and we focus on loving Jesus. We love him by obeying him, by seeking after him. So first, we find our purpose for life, and then second, we find our value. See, Jesus also grants us the good news, the knowledge that we are valued by God. Notice the very end of verse 33. It says, all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying something. He's saying that something valuable will be given to you. He's saying this to the people on the mountain, and ultimately, he's saying it to us. But to them, he's saying, you know, one day, in a couple years, I am going to give myself up for you. I am the most valuable thing you can ever have. And I'm going to do it by going to the cross for you, by paying the penalty for your sins, by substituting myself in your place. This is the greatest gift. This is everything. Everything will be given to us. It's given through Christ Jesus. It's given to you. It's given to me. At its core, Anxiety comes from forgetting how much we are valued and loved by God and just how he showed that love. See, the father substituted his son for us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our places. Jesus lived a a perfect life. He died an innocent death so that you and I can live. And as we recall to mind the good news of what Christ has done for us, it helps us put our fears and our anxieties and our stresses away. 
Because we remember, we are loved. The God of the universe cares about you so much, he was willing to send his son to take your place. He traded his son for you, if you know him. Let that knowledge of what God has done for us wash over you. God came in the flesh, came to die so that we could live. The gospel is the good news that you are as valuable to God as his own son, Jesus. When we see the depths of God's love, it gives us courage to face anything. Paul tells us in Romans why we don't need to be afraid. And it's all because of Jesus. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus because he spent his own blood to purchase you. See, Jesus spent his blood to wipe away your fears, to wipe away your anxiety, to wipe away your sins. To bring new hope. We substitute worry with courage in Christ. Let it go so you can cling to Christ. Some of you may have read or watched the the movies, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. In the book, uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, so this is a children's series, but they, they hit home. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader includes a story about Lucy, Edmund, and Eustace. They're three children that have been taken to this fantasy land of Narnia. Lucy is a young girl who believes in all her heart in the Christ figure. So the Christ figure is a lion named Aslan. And the three of them, they go on a voyage and they end up coming to an island, and the island is called Where Dreams Come True. And at first they think, oh, what a lovely island. We can go to the island where dreams come true. But this island is covered in darkness because it's where your nightmares come true. It's where your real dreams come true. It's not where your daydreams come true. And suddenly the whole crew, everyone on the boat, uh, the three children, they are cast into fear. They are cast into anxiety. They begin to row wildly in the darkness, but they get nowhere. Each, Each of the crew members hears a different noise. One hears huge scissors, his worst fear. Another hears enemies crawling up the side of the boat. Another one hears gongs, loud gongs. And so the child Lucy, little Lucy, prays this. Aslan, Aslan, if ever you loved us at all, send us help now. The darkness did not grow any less, but she began to feel a little, a very, very little better. After all, nothing had really happened to us yet, she thought. And that's when a ray of sunlight breaks through the clouds and it falls on the ship like a spotlight. And then as Lucy is looking at the light, she sees something in the shape of a cross. And it comes flying through the air like an airplane. It's an albatross. And the albatross circles the boat three times. It lands for a moment and then it flies away and it leads them out of the darkness. 
And that's when C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, But no one except Lucy knew that as it circled the mast, it had whispered to her, Courage, dear heart. And the voice she felt for sure was Aslan's. When you're caught in the darkness, when you are overwhelmed with anxiety and fear, take courage, dear heart. Take courage in Christ Jesus who has overcome the darkness. He died. The worst fear any of us have. And he came back to tell us that we don't need to be afraid if we will trust in him. Let it go so that we can cling to Christ. Let's pray. Father God, help us take this message to heart. Would you give us courage? Courage as we cling to Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.